Okay. I, I see that ten times a day you appear to be running vigorously. <laughs> Okay, breathe, breathe. We don't want you to die. Smashing Security, Episode 154 A Buttock of Biometrics, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 154. My name is Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. Hey, and we're joined this week. <laughs> okay, it's very late, everybody. We're doing this late. It's going to be a silly episode. I'm warning you now. We are joined this week by John Hawes. Hello. I'm not being silly at all. I'm being very serious. <laughs> Good. Now, John, I'm going to describe you, and I want you to tell me if this is a fair description or not, okay. okay? A diplomatic man who advises cyber companies around the world to get along and play nice and build fair standards. Yeah, uh, you missed handsome. Oh, yeah, you missed the beard. You missed five, uh, not five foot four, you missed six, <laughs> six foot four. A five foot four man. That's how I like to start all descriptions. There's nothing wrong with being any number of foot fours. But, uh, but, he is notable by his, his his ostentatious height, I feel. I don't do it on purpose. <laughs> That's what you say, John. Carol, what have we got coming up on the show this week? First, thank this week's sponsors, LastPass. Their support helps us give you this show for free. On today's show, Graham is delving into the UK Labour Party DDoS non-fiasco. John is looking into why Apple credit card is being called sexist. And I'm going to get on my soapbox about private health info and Google. All this and loads more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Super duper stuff. Now, chums, we... Here in Britain, we're all British. Chums. Yes. Yes. Oh, don't, yes, John. Sorry. Don't, yes. Don't, let's not even start. Right. Uh, we have got an election <laughs> on our hands. Election, I said. Yes, that's true. In one corner is the bumbling Etonian Boris Johnson. Now, we should, exp- we should explain the various participants for people who don't live in the UK, because not everyone around the world who listens, we are very popular around the world. We shouldn't just assume everyone knows what's going on in British politics. Shall we explain who everybody is? Yeah, not everyone. Are you insane? Just the main players. There's Just the main people. players. Just so the main... There, yeah. there are four main players. So we have in one corner the bumbling Etonian Boris Johnson. From time to time, he's been described as a malevolent baked Alaska. He's like an ugly Hugh Grant. Yeah. Or- <laughs> There's a, an image of Donald Trump's hair and Owen Wilson's face. Oh, <laughs> does look a lot like Boris Johnson. <laughs> Anyone's wondering what he looks like. It's also been suggested he looks a little bit like a, an unmade bed. Uh, mixed up with a head injury. He, <laughs> now, he he campaigned, remember the big Brexit referendum, he campaigned to leave Europe, but a lot of people suspect he really wanted to stay in. Whereas his opposite number in another corner is Jeremy Corbyn, right? Mm. He's the ultra left wing. He's our Sanders representative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the leader of the, like, the Labour Party. He looks like a geography teacher, campaigned to stay in Europe, maybe because he loves geography. Very elderly geography teacher. Yeah, quite elderly (laughs) with the patches on his elbows and everything. Now, somewhere in between these guys, we've got Nigel Farage. How are you? Wait, whoa, somewhere in between. Like, this is like Pluto to Uranus. I beg your pardon. No, sort of nestled (laughs) in the nook 
of Boris Johnson. We have Nigel Farage. He's the plain-talking, beer-swelling man of the people who happens to be a commodities broker who wants us to cut ourselves off from the continent at any cost. And we've also got, let's not forget, head girl, goody-two-shoes, Jo Swinton. She's leader of the Liberal Democrats. Yeah. She wants to kick Brexit to the curb, snuggle up with Europe, and promise to be their BFF okay, forever. Okay, so an easier way to put this is you've got Jeremy and Joe in one corner, and you've got Johnson and Farage in the other. Yeah, well, I don't think Jeremy mm. necessarily is in Joe's corner. It's slightly complicated when it comes yes, to Jeremy. Well, but we're uh, going to simplify for our listeners. Oh, right? So Nigel and Boris will keep denying that they're each yes. other's buddies, but keep trying to be buddies. Yeah, okay. Anyway, in, in summary, Brexit's bloody confusing, has divided the country, and is the backdrop for what is probably going to be the most ruthless British general election in our lifetimes. Okay, yeah. And of course, we've mentioned those four people, but let's not even begin to start on what other countries they might have a vested interest in a particular result. Anyway, (gasps) yes, we are recording this week's show on Tuesday, and I've had a crazy day. We were planning originally to record this at lunchtime, weren't we? Mm Mm-hmm. And, well, that that got blown out of the water. And one of the reasons was that when I got up this morning, news broke that the UK's Labour Party said that they had suffered a sophisticated, large-scale cyber attack, in their words. Do you know I had a problem with that as soon as I read that? Mm -hmm. Because sophisticated. It takes a while to establish whether an attack is sophisticated. Right. But so many companies claim it they've suffered a sophisticated attack. I know. Well, it's... It's like they don't want to say it was a really elementary one, do they? Yep. <laughs> you have to have a computer, which is quite sophisticated. I suppose. You can't, you can't just do it with a pen and paper. No. <laughs> I suppose not. It's going to be tricky. <laughs> well, my phone went crazy at this news. Uh, BBC TV News, they wanted to get me to a studio, but I thought, well, we're planning to record a podcast. I can't do that. Sod that. So we ended up doing it via Skype. And while I was doing it, I was recording this, while I was recording their TV slot, my camera started to slide down. It wasn't Ooh. completely affixed. And so oh, this geez. doesn't sound very sophisticated. It was. <laughs> so you had one of those moments like that guy whose kids came in while he was uh, talking? It wasn't quite like that, but it was a bit like 1960s Batman, where the villains always have a sloping floor on their, on their HQ. So <laughs> <laughs> Bam, wallop, wham. So anyway, not that sophisticated. (laughs) Turns out that this attack on Labour wasn't that sophisticated either because it was a DDoS attack, a distributed denial of service attack, which of course are often powered by botnets of computers around the world, clogging up websites and making them fail to work properly. Yeah, they've been around for more than a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cheap. Not complicated at all. But $50 for three hours or something. Well, yeah, exactly. You could just purchase some DDoS time uh, with with a PayPal account virtually, couldn't you? I mean, ironically, Labour were using a DDoS mitigation service called Cloudflare, which many people will know. Mm. And they were ultimately able to get Labour back up and running as well. But uh, there are many DDoS as a service booter sites, so sort of online sites you can go to to sort of purchase a denial of service attack if you wanted to launch one, which are themselves protected by Cloudflare. Exactly. So yep. there, there is some uh, Cloudflare, you know. Uh, they're playing both bit, sides of the coin. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A bit like Facebook sometimes. They, they like to say, oh, Knitting with three needles. Right. <laughs> Now, inevitably, there's been lots of talk about who might be responsible for this DDoS attack. The Libyans. Farage. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> he was at the pub one night, had a there few too was, many. A bit drunk. <laughs> and he goes, I got an idea. I got an idea. Right <laughs> like, I can do this. 
Well, it could have been them. It could have been, uh, maybe it was Russia. Because, of course, <sighs> Russia might have a vested interest in the pro You're always blaming Russia win. for everything. Oh, yeah, bless them. Yeah, maybe well, it's the French. Maybe the French just don't <laughs> like us. I mean, they're still technically well. at war with us 300 years later, aren't they? Maybe it was Boris himself. But does any of these people have a vested interest in slightly embarrassing Jeremy Corbyn? <laughs> well, maybe they didn't know how embarrassing. Maybe they thought if we knock out Labour's digital campaign, they won't be able to do anything. They won't be able to move and motivate their forces and get them, you know, canvassing wildly for Jeremy and his potential referendum. Definitely not sophisticated then. Not that sophisticated. Maybe it was Boris himself. Remember, Boris was getting private technology lessons from oh, yes. Jennifer O'Curry when he went round to her flat. That was the uh, claim, at least. Maybe it was kids, because it could be a kid, right, with a DDoS attack. It could hey, be Graham, a Graham, 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. you digress. So so <laughs> the Labour Party got hit by DDoS. Yes, yes. And it wasn't anything complicated or uh, – did they steal anything? No, the DDoS doesn't steal anything. It just brings down services. So why did they go public? Well – yeah, good question, I think, is should they have gone public about it? Should they have been so loud about it? I certainly think they tried to make a little bit of political capital out of it with the suggestion that maybe they were being targeted, whereas they didn't really know whether it was going to be a 14-year-old kid or not who had done it against them. Okay, but really, do you think that's a good PR strategy to say, let's go out there and say that we've been targeted because then what, you get more headlines? You get more inches in the papers? Is we that- know what they got more of. What? They got more DDoS attacks. Because well, then it appears other people thought, or little kids thought, oh, yeah, that'd be a laugh, wouldn't it? Let's have a go Uncle Jeremy with his <laughs> political party. Let's launch a DDoS attack against him. So others began to do it as well. Any script kiddie with a botnet decided they could have a go and sort of encouraged, I think. Yeah, you can see the IT guy calling up Cloudflare going, um, hi, so <laughs> we just need to have a few, a bit of ramp up. <laughs> so I think maybe... The truth was that it didn't have that much impact on them for a relatively short time. And many companies up and down the country are being affected by DDoSes you know, every week, right? And maybe they were a bit too quick and maybe they did over-egg what happened. And then the media, of course, were getting really excited about the fact that it could be a state-sponsored attack. Seems in truth. This, it was very unsophisticated. This is tricky. This is tricky, right? Because in a way, I'm kind of happy that they came out and said, hey, guys, mm. we're having a problem. I don't like that they said sophisticated without actually looking at it. That seems a bit early in the game. I think anyone who uses any adjectives they can't defend, you know. It seems to be the habit, though, isn't it? Whenever a, a security incident yeah. does occur, people love yeah. to say sophisticated. They said it with Talk Talk, for instance, which was. Do you remember when APT attack. came out? As the new term. What was it? Advanced? What was it? What's it stand for? Advanced? Persistent threat. Persistent threat. And that was a way of basically saying, yeah, we got, we got screwed by some. A thing. A thing. (laughs) A thing. That we couldn't stop. You can't blame us because it was advanced and it was persistent and it was a threat. (laughs) (laughs) And coincidentally, the same day they announced this problem, there was an exclusive report in the Times newspaper saying that they had stumbled across a data breach on the Labour website. Now, I don't think this is connected at all, and I don't actually think that the Labour website was hacked. What it appears they had was they had an online donation tool, and it was generating <laughs> generating an RSS feed containing people's names and the sums of money which they had donated to the Labour Party via this page. They must have clicked a box saying, I don't mind everyone knowing. Well, that's, I not, hope. that's not how the Times portray it. The Times say that the form asked for people's first names, but a number of people also entered their surnames 
and that's why it ended up on the RSS feed. So this and, was going uh, out to anybody that subscribed to the feed, got a list of everybody that donated to the party. I think that is basically wow. the sum of it. Yeah, yes. yeah that's, a that's bit not of really a, a breach. That's just a no. That's a boob. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll probably be plenty more boobs. <laughs> it's going to be boobtastic. Boobtastic collection, which the tabloids are going to love, aren't they? It already has been. <laughs> John, what have you got for us this week? Well, so I wanted to talk about Apple's sexist credit card. <laughs> okay, not controversial. Well, no. Oh, actually, a little. But oh. no. So... <laughs> I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Apple has a credit card. Why? What's the point? Well... To buy stuff, Graham. That's what credit cards are for. It's very apple Oh, okay. It's laser-etched white titanium. Oh, it's sexy. So it's very sexy. slick and shiny, very apple <laughs> if, you, if you're the kind of person that likes Apple stuff, you probably want one of these. As I say, white titanium with a name and a little Apple logo and the little chip and pin thing on it. There's no numbers. It's no numbers. It's just smooth. Okay, well, it's cool not having numbers, maybe, yeah. if you lose it. But if you're such an Apple fan, why wouldn't you just use Apple Pay? Aha! Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> so the idea is you can't apply for the credit card through any other means than through your iPhone or Mac. Right. Okay, you have so only already... Apple users can get an Apple card. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's proof that you're not just a person that likes Apple stuff, that you actually have Apple stuff. Oh, okay. Right. So it's like yeah. your cult membership card. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I don't know. If they, they can Are make... you wearing a black cashmere turtleneck? Check. Exactly. Anyone can go Correct. out and buy a, a cashmere turtleneck these days. And yes. people might think that you have an Apple Mac. Yeah. Soya but... flat white? Check. <laughs> Getting the Apple card? Much more difficult. Right. Although apparently the white titanium does get discolored if you put it in a leather wallet or a jean pocket, which okay. is a little disappointing. Mm. But yeah, so they describe it as a new kind of credit card. It's created by Apple, not a bank. Mm. Okay. What could go wrong, right, Graham? Yeah, so what, what's the... <laughs> well, so, but you say it's sexist. Well, so it's not even a new thing. I think they announced it back in March. It was available sometime August. Mm-hmm. But suddenly in the last week or so, it's been all over the headlines. So about a week ago, a chap called David Heinemeyer Hansson, who's a Danish tech entrepreneur, best known as the creator of Ruby on Rails. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So he tweeted, which is, you know, how, how news happens these days, that he applied for one of these cards. And also his wife applied for one. And he got a credit limit approved, which was 20 times higher than his wife. <laughs> 20 times? 20 times, 20 times. So, so if, hers was, if hers was five grand, his would be 100? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but they might have different credit histories. Or well, no, have... they claim they claim that they've shared everything together forever and ever. He's Danish. He's been living oh, in America enough, for, I, I don't know, 10, 12 years or something. She says, oh, my credit limit's actually higher than his, so I don't know why I've got a lower than his. And then Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. Was. Cuddly was. Yes. <laughs> he... Uh, he stepped in and said, oh, the same thing happened to me. I got 10 times more than my wife. Uh-huh. Despite, you know, everything we have is is shared, is mutual. So we should have exactly the same kind of credit limit. So we have two quite big characters in the tech world basically yes. saying, I'm, we're confirming this has happened to us. Yes. And that they're in the cult. Yeah. That's well, what they're yes. telling everybody. Well, yeah. obviously, I mean, Steve, Steve Mostiak is... Well... He is officially still an employee of Apple. Is he really? 1985, he stepped down, but apparently he's a, a ceremonial employee. Bless him. I don't know what ceremonies he does. Like a ceremonial <laughs> goat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so what's then, this about? Right. Yes. Then, then somebody 
from the New York State Department of Financial Services tweeted saying, oh, this sounds like it always sounds awfully dodgy. Uh, We will investigate. And now suddenly there's headlines all over the world saying, oh, Apple's credit card massively sexist and Department of Financial Services is launching a probe. So what, two people can tweet that their wives appear not to... Just in, not just anybody, though. <laughs> but people, that, no, but yes. people that have a lot of followers. I'm surprised that starts off a huge investigation oh, really? if these people well, haven't even formally complained. Also, it's not necessarily a huge investigation. It's just somebody tweeting, oh, we'll have a look. Oh, yes. Okay. Nobody has said okay. we are launching a massive yeah, calm down, Graham. probe here. <laughs> They've just said, oh, that sounds interesting. Let's have a look. Yes, I happen to work for the Department of Financial Services. I, not everything's dealing with I'm not necessarily clue. qualified to say we're launching a massive probe right now. Okay. Right. Anyway, so then... Oh my goodness, yes. What? People kind of think about this and like, hang on. So even though Apple's card says it's created by Apple, not a bank. Yeah. Obviously, it, it is a credit card, so it has to actually be provided by a bank of some kind, which in this case is Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. So they're backing it. They're backing all the money and they're backing like the, the background vetting. They're, they're doing the mm-hmm. credit card, basically. Apple is creating it in the sense of designing what it looks like. Everything else is... I Goldman can't Sachs. help but notice that in the name Goldman Sachs is the word man, of course. Possibly well, yes. a slightly sexist organization. <laughs> Very. <laughs> also known as the vampire squid and you know, mainly an investment bank. So not with much history of consumer credit card business so uh, maybe they didn't really know what they were doing whatever 2008 was a bit rough (laughs) in the last couple of days goldman sachs put out a statement again on twitter obviously (laughs) so weird isn't it um with this you know starts off with a typical you know your concerns are important to us we take them seriously all that stuff blah blah but they also said we do not know your gender or marital status i think we know was is a man Blah, blah, blah. And well, we believe him when he says married. And they also say that some customers have told us they've received lower credit lines than expected. In many cases, this is because their existing credit cards are supplemental cards under their spouse's primary account. Okay, so they're basically saying, look, there are reasons we're doing this. It's it's not all black and white like you think. There's complications. Yeah. Okay. Well, it seems to make sense, except Apple has said they don't offer joint cards. Everyone has to apply individually. You have to do it from your own phone, right? You, you can't just fill right. in a form and say, oh, can I have one for my wife too? Correct. Gotcha. It's, it's yourself. Yep. So that that bit seems to be self-debunking. And um, Mrs. Hanson, who described herself as a meek housewife, who's not at all keen on publicity, she blogged about the matter and agreed to have the blog reposted on Fast Company. Mm-hmm. Where oh, that she, kind of meek, right? Basically said, as a a female person, I find this quite scary that I'm being offered much less credit limit than my husband just because he's a man. Because that's the only difference that they can see between the two of us. Wait, hang on. This is a bit peculiar. I mean, it's hard to imagine that there's an individual at Goldman Sachs or Apple who's making this kind of decision. So there probably is a bit of code well, or no. something. That was actually and- that was another thing that Mr. Hanson said that when he did get in touch with Apple. The Apple person said, oh, there's nothing we can do. It's all about the algorithm. We have no control who, 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 over this. Oh, you know, no one's looking after that algorithm? No one's well, there no, tweaking it? This is the it? problem. So Goldman Sachs, whatever they say about we don't know about your gender status or your marital status, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. all they're doing is buying in a database from Experian or whatever, and they're saying, okay, so if someone has a score of this, then they get this, whatever. 
they're reading in somebody else's score that's been applied to you based on data that's been gathered about you from somewhere that you don't know about and that they don't know about and deciding how to interpret it pretty much at random, really, because it's the first time they've done it because they've not done a credit card before. Uh, well, uh, you haven't explained that it's not sexist, though. Well, that's, I'm not saying it's not sexist. I'm not. Right? I'm just saying it's not. It's not Apple that's being sexist. It's not necessarily Goldman Sachs that's being sexist. It's the the whole. John, I'm going to put. No, come on. Is this uh, sexism or not, John? AI algorithms, machine learning. What they are doing is they're taking in huge amounts of data and they're interpreting it. They're mm, looking at right. it, and the, and if that data is biased towards a particular gender then the output of the AI machine learning algorithm is going to be biased. And if there is hundreds of years worth of evidence that people with the occupation of meek housewife are worse at paying off their debts than developer of Ruby Rails or something like that. No, but that's not what they're finding. Like, that's the problem here. They're not finding that. Her her credit score was better than his. Isn't that what you said? Mrs. Hansen's credit score was better than Mr. Hansen's? Yeah, she she did claim that, yeah. Yeah. So she had a better credit score, yet he got 20 20 times, not 20%, 20 times more money. Now, all this is not real money. This is just a loan, right, from someone. God knows what the interest rate is with the Apple store. It's probably 25 APR just to have the cool tech in your hand. Oh, they claim it's very good. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I should get one. Guys, I kind of think you guys are outrageous. You're both a bit outrageous, actually. Like, if it was the other way around, you'd be freaking out. You'd be freaking out. I think I think a lot of people if are freaking out If your wives went out and got, like, 20 times the money on their credit limit and you didn't? I wouldn't be aware. <laughs> you would when you got the bills. Is this all just a fuss because it's the Apple card? Which doesn't have a number and it is laser etched. And I wonder if this actually also happens yeah. in plenty of other cards. And th- that's and a this really is good point, Graham. Well, people are just creating a fuss because it's got the word well, Apple attached. That's that's exactly what I was trying to say. Is that it's not it's not Apple that's doing this. It's not even Goldman Sachs that's doing this. It's whoever is providing them with this is your credit rating data, which is based on you know whatever they can find out about you, or what they can be asked to find out about you. Maybe they they're not. You know, going around to your house and looking through your bins. Yeah. In other words, though, it, this could be a much bigger problem. So Apple may be the tip of the iceberg, but it might be actually systemic across all credit cards. I think it's systemic across all anything that involves machine learning, that it has to be fed with data. Yeah. And the data has to come from people and people are, are biased. And if you have 20 years of historic data from something to base a decision on, you okay, have well, no way of knowing how much of that data was gathered by racists or sexists or anti-ginger people or whatever. Right. Well, hey, guy, listeners, you know, follow John's advice. Just who cares? <laughs> Just deal with it. <laughs> Buy it. Like deal with the bias. It's put there. your money in gold, bury it at the end of the garden, never spend it. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Have much better stuff to feed your machine learning algorithms. Why are you pushing gold rather than silver or some other metal? Okay, tin. Tin works very well. As a as a West Country lad, do it in tin. <laughs> or Cornish pasties? No, don't bury pasties. Don't do not bury a pasty. Crow. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Carry right on. Crow, what have you got for us this week? Okay, well first listen to this sound. Are you intoxicated by this sound? Do you feel like it's mocking you with its joyous tweet tweet? It is, of course, the nightingale. 
Aww. a brown thrush, Ooh. and it's often referred Ooh. to in poetry because it's the male bird's sweet, sweet, intoxicating Aww. nocturnal song that they That's refer good. to. They don't refer to it as a brown thrush, though. No, no, they tend to avoid that. Uh, yeah, brown bird. How about that? Yeah. Now, I'm speaking of the nightingale because Google has a new secret project that's come to light called Project Nightingale. Oh, oh. And I mean, what are they trying to say? Like that Google are our nightingale, that they have so intoxicated us with their free services that we can't think straight? Hmm. I expect they're not trying to say that. I expect that, that, <laughs> that would be a bad marketing message. Are they trying so. to sing us to sleep? <laughs> now, you probably haven't heard of Project Nightingale, but don't worry, it's only hit the streets this week. The Wall Street Journal published an explosive article on the company's new foray into private medical data. So in an exclusive interview penned by Rob Copeland, we learned that Google had teamed up with Ascension Health to secretly collate and crunch personal health information of millions of Americans across 21 states. Mm. Who is Ascension, you ask? Who is Ascension? <laughs> I was asking. Well, they're only the second largest nonprofit health system in the states. And their strap on their homepage is, we are Ascension. <laughs> Driven by compassion and a dedication to provide personalized care for all, especially those most in need. Oh. Now, it turns out when they say personalized, they mean it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Google have been reportedly mashing personal health information, such as diagnoses, laboratory test results, hospitalization records, basically a complete health history, including patient names and date of birth. And get this. The Wall Street Journal says neither patient nor doctor were notified. Ooh. Mm. Um, Whoa, right? That sounds, sounds rather suboptimal. Totally. So I did, of course, you know, I went and looked at the HIPAA privacy rule because that's, <laughs> what, that's, that's, that's what regulates. you know how to have a good time. And thank goodness, Carol, that you are on our podcast and you are the person who reads the terms and conditions. <laughs> you read the privacy policies. I just looked at the summary this week. I was busy. Too. But that's more than any of us, the rest of us <laughs> would do. All right, good. A major goal of the HIPAA privacy rule is to assure that individuals' health information is properly protected while allowing the flow of health information needed to provide and promote high-quality health care. Mm -hmm. So you can already see the push-me-pull you happening yeah, here, right? Big. No, well, I also get it, right? You want to protect the identity of the person, but you also want to say, look, I've got someone here having a triple bypass. I need some help. Uh, here's the stats. Here's his blood type. What can I do? Mm -hmm. So I can understand that. Right. Now, the Wall Street Journal reported that Ascension employees raised questions about the way the data was being collected and shared. But privacy <laughs> experts said it appeared to be permissible under federal law because the HIPAA Act, which came into effect in 1996, apparently, quote, this is from the Wall Street Journal, generally allows hospitals to share data with business partners without telling patients as long as the information is used only to help the covered entity, which would be the hospital, carry out its healthcare functions. Mm. Help is the important word there. So people raised an alarm. People said, "Oh, wait, should we? Should we really be doing this? Should we be and sharing Joe Schmo's private, you know, hospitalization records with Google?" And they were told, "Hush, hush, hush, hush. Yes, hush, hush. Shh, shh, shh. Don't speak. I know just what you're thinking. Yeah, that's what happened. 
Now, why didn't Google want to tell anybody? And they probably didn't want to tell anyone because they didn't want their competitors alerted. Because this uh, must be a sword in the sides of Google's competitors, namely Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon, all of whom are also aggressively pushing into the health market. Now, do you guys remember – I'm just going to take a left slant here. Oh, yeah. Do you guys remember a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Google bought Fitbit for $2.1 billion. Oh, yes. $2.1 yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, please don mm-hmm. your conspiracy hats. I like all because I have one for you to noodle on. <laughs> So guy buys Fitbit gadget, right? Mm-hmm. Guy enters in all his data, right? So his height, his weight, where he goes, how fast he got there, what method right. of transport he used, how much sleep he got. Graham, yes. you had one. Didn't you have one of these? <laughs> I didn't have a Fitbit. No, I had okay. something from another manufacturer. But there are a lot of these things around, aren't there? I remember there was a um, a few years ago, I can't remember if we spoke about it, there was the Icon Smart Condom, for instance. Do you remember that? And what it did was it... <laughs> You were able to track the exercise of your man bits, um, and it would also detect chlamydia and syphilis, and even even had a micro USB port to charge it up. So, yeah, you wouldn't want it running out, would you? Mid session. So, so there you are, guys. And guys bought the Fitbit gadget, paid money for it, entered in all his data, right? And then the Fitbit gadget company somehow amasses all of Guy's personal data over the years and months right. he's used this little gadget. And and Fitbit's done this to millions of others out there as well. And then Fitbit decides to start flirting and sassing in front of some of the high rollers, like Google, <laughs> right? Right? Flashing a thigh full of PII. <laughs> But cheek of biometrics. Oh, right. Yes, good. <laughs> ah. Very good, Carol. Must have taken you hours. No wonder you're busy today. Oh, about a minute. About a minute. <laughs> now, one of my Fitbit friends, I have a few, and I can oh, speak for them. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my best friends are Fitbit people, um, said that they've never even thought to remove it when they were, you know, doing the five knuckle shuffle stuff. Pooping. Right? So oh. they deem, he deems he probably have all those behavioral biometrics as well. <laughs> Okay. I, I see that 10 times a day you appear to be running vigorously. <laughs> okay, breathe. Breathe. We don't want you to die. I'm very funny. <laughs> okay, here's a serious question. Serious mm. question. So, 2.1 billion. How much of that do you think basically been given to Fitbit for the data that Fitbit has collected throughout oh. the years? And processed at the user's expense effectively, because some people actually pay more, right? They paid for additional services so they can give even more intrusive data to Fitbit. So people are actually paying monthly services to Fitbit when they're using it. So in other words, think about it, right? How valuable would Fitbit have been if they could sell themselves without any data, right? Mm -hmm. Without the data at all. And Mm -hmm. I get it, right? I get the service becomes moot because without the data history, you don't, want to use it as a user, right? You don't have any service. You can't, you know, you'd cry because it's like, oh, my my big records with my five knuckle shuffle. You know, I've lost all that. So but what surely do do? Fitbit users have the right and ability to log into their account and wipe it out, don't they? Do they? If if they if they felt strongly enough about it. Yeah. I'm sure many would I am sure yeah. it's really simple to do as well. And also what what proportion of Fitbit users actually paid any attention to yeah. The news in the Financial Times that 
Google had bought <laughs> a stake in their company or whatever. Yes, but I have true. a solution. Like, unlike John, who delivered a story with just doom and gloom and saying, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, the bias John. is there, right? Yeah. I have a solution. Thank you, Carl. Okay. So when a company sells itself, yeah. I say a third party has to value the company with and without its collated data from its big mass of users. All and right. the company value associated with the collected user data. So basically the money that they make because they're snarfling up all the user data should be distributed amongst the users who gave that data. So ba effectively like a financial shareholder system, but with information. So you've given us free information. We've become billionaires off your back. Here's a little kickback. Thank you very much. It's pretty good. Well, that's, that nice. sounds wonderful, Kroll. Um, can you imagine any companies doing this yes oh excellent. go go do it people <laughs> prove me right <laughs> uh, what what are, what are people going to do with this data once they've become owners of it again well they're, they're owners that can lease out their data when they put it into these services rather than services saying hey here's a little fine, shiny thing you can wear on your wrist that helps you keep fit which was the sales pitch and people put it on and they use it and all that data gets amassed and now it's being used in ways that they didn't ever predict beforehand don't you think they should be asked, going, oh, by the way, you gave us, you lent us this information. Do you mind if we mm. sell it on? And you're, th you're thinking people would get some some money out of this? They'd be saying, oh, you've been wearing this pedometer for six months. You can you have... can't say pedometer. We're not allowed to say pedometer? Jeez. <laughs> what, they get like 0 0.3 cents or something for their, their six months of, of walking sure. time or... I used to have Irwin Toy shares when I was a kid, and I would get like something like sixty-one p oh, a quarter. Well, that's that's pretty pretty good going. Very nice. Thank you, Granddad. Yes. Well, well, well done, Kroll. Good mm -hmm. to see a. Uh, it's a great suggestion, and yes. I look forward to hearing the first companies to yes, take it on. Yes, and well done you for coming up with a topic where you have some positive advice at the end. A suggestion, unlike you, John, you could learn you could learn something from that, John. You could learn something from that. Can I just? Put put a slight downer on this one. Oh, I thought you would. Well, not in a, but in a positive way. <laughs> You're going to put a downer in a positive way. This will be With a interesting. Smile. We'll be the judge of whether this is done in a positive way or not. Fuck my life. <laughs> Look, Google. What Google is doing here, right, is trying to amass uh, massive amounts of data about people's walking and wanking habits, oh. and making use of it to analyze the human and be better at spotting when something weird's happening with your butt or whatever you're sick and we can tell because 10 million other people when they suddenly their left knee went wobbly a month later developed i don't know some horrible brain disease and they're, they're doing that for the the good of humanity to be able to, I mean, okay, it's not ideal that Google's doing it. It should be someone, some, it should be governments and universities, really. But somebody has to be doing it. No, no, exactly. That's the sales pitch too, right? That's what Ascension and anyone else who partners in this way with other companies, tech companies are going to say to you. They're going to say, look, this saves mm -hmm. lives. That's why you want to do this, right? And that is the sales pitch. But the other side, the flip side of the coin is, well, when is it going to be that insurers get access to the data and can deny you? Or when is it when employers get access to right. this data and they decide, oh, wow, you're going to be, you're, you're at risk of Parkinson's, so we're not going to hire you. I see how it's going to be sold to us as a really great thing, but I, 
I don't hear enough about how the, the flip side, when it's going to be misused and how yeah, we're going to I don't imagine that. Google saying that to people. It's a really serious point, Graham. I didn't smile no, once. Well, well, lots of gravitas. Well done. Gravitas. That's me. Yeah. Middle name. Gravity. Okay, hand on heart time. How many of you can say that your password hygiene is squeaky clean? If you're feeling it could use a tune-up, maybe check out LastPass Enterprise. With central admin oversight, controlled shared access, automated user management, you help every employee become part of your security solution. Find out more at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. Plus, I would like to extend a personal invitation to an upcoming LastPass event on Wednesday, November 27th in the wonderful city of Manchester. Occasional smashing security guest host Jessica Barker and yours truly are going to be talking about all things security related. We would love to see you there. Check out the registration page on lastpass.com forward slash smashing. On with the show. And welcome back. And you join us on our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a red record, a podcast, a website, or an app, whatever they like. Have you ever Does had it? a record? Yes, Great. I have. Actually, yes. Yeah. Like vinyl? After 154, you've had everything. <laughs> Doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Should not be. And my Pick of the Week this week is a podcast. Ooh. I was going <gasps> up to uh, a conference up north in Cheshire, and I had to entertain myself listening to something, and so I listened to... A Is it Smashing Security? Not Smashing Security, no. Oh, no. That's uh, security-related, truly. We, we have, had people, <laughs> we have had people come on and recommend their own podcasts in the past, of course, <laughs> during the pick of the week. Section. It may not be the right forum for this one. <laughs> no, the podcast which I listen to is called The Missing Crypto Queen. And oh, it's darn it. Good. I was supposed to listen yes, to that, Yes, you were. Graham. I did tell I'm you. I'm sorry. You did tell yes, me. Yes, I did. Um, I've been very busy. Well, you know what, Crow? I've been very busy, but I've watched two of your art documentaries on YouTube. Aren't they great? They are wonderful. I'm really loving them. So if anyone hasn't checked out your pick of the week from last week, go and do that. It was a doozy. Crow's pick of the week. Anyway, The Missing Crypto Queen is a fascinating podcast about the millions of people who invested huge amounts of money in a bogus cryptocurrency called OneCoin, and how they used a cult-like multi-level marketing operation to get other people to give all of their earthly belongings and invest them as well. Ooh. So why didn't you tell me that wow. when you were telling me, listen to it? All you said is, listen to this. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so the interesting thing about OneCoin was it turned out it didn't have a blockchain. It was a cryptocurrency without a blockchain. If you bought some one coin, um, what that gave you was access to a website which told you there was a number on the website which showed you what the value of one one coin was. And <laughs> Are you kidding? Every day the number would go up and you would think da 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 I'm going to be so rich and then you'd get all of your friends to buy one coins and you would make more money that way and you'd get more and more one coin this was all been masterminded by a woman called Dr Ruja Ignatova who was very public and giving presentations and then a couple of years ago 
she vanished. And the big question of the podcast is, why did she vanish and where did she go? And what happened to her? Jamie Bartlett from the BBC presents this story and it is fascinating. At the end of every episode, there's like a cliffhanger and you go and go, oh, you're thinking, what is going to happen? No, I don't think any human would make those noises, but yeah, (laughs) maybe a whale. But it it takes you you all around the world. At one point, you're in a sort of marina filled with luxury yachts because they're trying to track her down. Then there are a Romanian beauty pageant being run by the OneCoin cryptocurrency. Okay, I'm totally, I'm going to totally download this. I love this. Sounds great. I'd really recommend it. No spoilers, but um, it was put together by the BBC, but you will find it in most good podcast apps as well as bbc sounds and it's called the missing crypto queen cool great suggestion okay that sounds great looking forward to it john what's your pick of the week um so i want to talk a little bit about a uh tv show which is on amazon uh, amazon prime i i don't i I assume you can just kind of rent it from amazon too if you don't Mm -hmm. like the prime thing um it's called undone and it's 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 they they actually describe it in the um the blurb on the Amazon page as g- genre bending, not gender bending, <laughs> genre bending. <laughs> it really is. It's 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 really well written and it's really it's kind of it's interesting and there's good characters and what's there's the good premise dialogue. of the show though, John? What's well, the- exactly, it's bonkers. So it's <laughs> it's a kind of relationship stroke personal drama about a. a young lady in texas who's got a boyfriend and has had a car crash and her dad's died and it's basically is she losing her mind or she got secret powers oh, exactly okay. thank you when i when i look this up though it, it's um it's on wikipedia it's in the mental illness in television category which is very underpopular. It only has 10 entries, but really? it includes Legion, which is a great, great show. Flowers, excellent which was show. also excellent. Nighty Night, which is great. Um, Mr. Robot. I'm not sure how that's not strictly supposed to be there, I guess, but oh. yes, there is a, there is a kind of a, you know, it, is she crazy or is she time traveling? Nobody knows. There's a, there's a whole thing about that. But for mm. me, the, I mean, the main mm. thing about it is the, just the look of it. It's so it, it uses rotoscoping. Oh, so like coloring in of so filming actual live people and then drawing over them afterwards, like uh, the uh, the famous Aha Take on Me video, oh, the yes. the nineteen seventies Lord the of the Rings movie, which oh, was well, also was great. Yes, I remember. that. Apparently, yes. the, the the lightsabers in the original Star Wars movies they did like that too. Oh, really? Yeah. So someone was they were just carrying sticks, and then someone drew over them frame by frame and then someone said why did we film it like this this looks ridiculous why didn't we just have glowy sticks they were in every yeah. shop right exactly <laughs> oh. yeah. and then the, so the background so the backgrounds are like either oil paintings and sometimes they're cartoons and sometimes they're 3d animations and sometimes it's a mixture of all of them and it doesn't feel too gimmicky it doesn't take away no, no, no. Drama. no it looks it looks spectacular and it really works with the story because it's all a bit kind of you know is this a dream is this real right. so the kind of slightly wobbly slightly weird looking visuals really kind of worked with that and it's only it's very short it's like eight 30 minute episodes so four hours you can totally binge it in a night isn't that funny how that's become short to us in this time it's like i could do that in a night totally totally do it in a night i didn't (laughs) i didn't do it in a night but i totally could have done it's very it's very much you get to the end of each episode it's like what the hell is going on i want to see more and i yeah loved it it was great i agree i've watched it as well 
I think it's awesome. And I, what I liked, I love the rotoscoping as well because it's just underused. But in this one, it's used quite well and kind of quirkily. But it's the script. It's tight. Yes. And you really, really believe. Like, you're really in the situation the characters are finding themselves in. Mm-hmm. And the characters are all believable and kind of just a little squiff. And I love it. And it's called Undone on Amazon. Yes, Undone. It's on Amazon Prime Amazon stuff, generally streaming, downloading cool. from Amazon. Fantastic. Crow, what's your pick of the week? Okay, I got a weird one this week. So I was just, you know, mooching along my feeds, right? I have pick of the week feeds. I don't know if you do, Graham. But, you know, it gets hard after 150-something episodes to come up with cool pick oh, really? of the weeks. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, really? You don't have any trouble? No, never had any trouble at all. No, <laughs> oh, right. Okay, good. So, uh, so I have a few feeds and I came across this kind of nascent YouTube channel. How often does that happen, right? Like a tiny little thing with hardly any followers, but somehow just as magical in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. This video, this YouTube video is all about how to play Monopoly in less than 30 minutes. Now, I love Monopoly. I seriously love Monopoly, but I freaking hate how long it can go, oh. right? Like I lose the will to it's live, let alone finish really the game. Fun. It can't be. And like, it's so obvious, like an hour and a two in the game, who's going to slam dunk the game, right? You always know who's going to do it. And by then you don't care. You're beyond caring. You don't care who's going to win. You just want to get out of there. I lie on the ground just going, I just don't care. Um, but I can care for 30 minutes. Even I can do that. And this little vid had some very good tips. Now take a listen. I'm just going to do a snippet here. Everyone loves a good old fashioned game night, but when it comes to playing Monopoly, we usually end up hating our friends by the end of the game. And that's partially because the game lasts way too long. So this video is going to teach you how to play Monopoly in under 30 minutes. In this video, I'll teach you how to speed up the game, but I assume that you already know the basics of how to play. My first tip is to draw a question mark on the back of all the chance cards and a CC on the back of all the community chess cards. Although this might sound silly to do, people always seem to forget which one is which during the game. Now take all that fake money that comes with the game and toss it out the window. We're not going to use any of it. We're going to use poker chips instead, which are much more efficient. Those fake bills are always hard to count because they stick together, and there's never enough of them, and they always get lost. Oh, and you know the other thing? In in modern Monopoly sets, they only print the denomination of the money on one side, and the other side is blank. Yeah, because they're so cheap. It's so cheap. In fact, with a lot of these games now, I will go onto eBay and buy old 1970s mm. versions of the board games because they're so much yeah. better quality. I've done that too, actually. Scrabble, the old Scrabble board, spectacular. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, okay, and I should have researched this before I got on the call, okay, but this is a memory of two years ago listening to a podcast, so I may get some facts wrong. I think it was uh, Stuff You Should Know, and they were doing a podcast about, like, Monopoly, right? Yeah. The stuff you should know about Monopoly. And apparently, if I remember correctly, a woman created the game because she was so frustrated with the banks and the lending system and how the rich got richer and the poor got poorer and created the game against the capitalists. And who's the game company that bought it? I can't remember. But that company tried to buy it from her. And she said, no, you can't have it, right? It's, it's to make fun of you, not for you. And so they created, if I remember correctly – a fake persona to buy it from her for her, and she didn't know it was them. And they got the rights and then they created it to this big capitalistic game. It's just sneaky. Yeah. So there you go. Monopoly was really a Bernie's, on Bernie Sanders' side. Who knew? Who would have guessed that? Fascinating. Does everybody that's involved have to be 
in on it or is it are there different can, rules crow yes there's there's tiny different rules so if you watch the video when you pass go you only get a hundred dollars so basically the uh, whole game is prolonged by how much money you make so you never collect money in the parking section when you you know the free parking you get all the money you don't do that i don't uh, you think don't you let- were ever meant to get money on free park i mean that was a rule we played uh, in our house but I think oh, that's in, because they wanted to keep it under an hour. <laughs> but I think in the official rules, you don't get money if you land on free parking. Listeners, there, tell I us think if you we're are wrong. wrong. There was an urban myth. I think you're wrong. I think it's an urban myth. I think you're incorrect. <laughs> anyway, I think, you know, anyone who can play Monopoly for 30 minutes, anyone can do that. And if you have a Monopoly lover in your house, check out the rules and then you can play for 30 minutes. And everyone's happy. Win-win. I think it would be a lot better if you could just rock up at a Monopoly game and everyone else is playing seriously and you force the game to finish in 30 minutes using special talent that you've learned from this YouTube video. You're so underhand, John. What? No, not un- no, in an really, underhand way. Really. Just no, yeah. I feel sorry for your wife. That's what I feel sorry <laughs> yes. for. What a way to think. Well, on that controversial note, we've just about wrapped it up for this episode. John, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to know more about what you do, <laughs> but you have no social media presence whatsoever, do you? No, no, I'm very secretive. I'm, I'm, I'm just a meek housewife. <laughs> but you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And we're also on Reddit if you want to carry on the discussion up there. Just look for the subreddit with the name Smash Insecurity. And once again, thank you to this week's Smashing Security sponsor, LastPass. Its support helps us give you this show for free. And thank you, awesome, wonderful listeners and Patreon supporters. It would literally be futile and ridiculous for <laughs> Graham and I to do this show without you. So thank you for existing. Check out SmashingSecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and info on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Later. Cheerio. spoke about it there was the icon smart condom for instance do you remember that the world's and what it did was it it <laughs> met you, you were able to track the exercise of your man bits um and it would also detect chlamydia and syphilis and even even had a micro usb port <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you wouldn't want it running out would you <laughs> mid-session you know what? For Christmas, for the Christmas special, I reckon we should get out of being timely and just choose one of the best stories of all I, time. I think we should just we should just do an unboxing and review. <laughs> you can. Yeah, you okay. can't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ew. No, let's not. Let's get some get some bananas in. <laughs>